everybody. This is your host, Mackenzie, and this is another episode of I Have No Idea What I'm Doing. Today, I am joined with by my friend and guest host, Chantel. Say hello. Hi. And we're going to be talking about how to be Black, so enjoy this code switch that I just did from my Caucasian voice over to my Negro one. <laughs> um, all right. And with that, let's get the show started. So if you don't know what code switching is, then you should not be listening to this episode because this is not for you. <laughs> Just to put that disclaimer out there. Um, all right, let's go ahead. So soundtrack to my life. Chantel, I'm listening to Wild Side by Normani featuring, featuring Cardi B because my sister Dewey won't stop singing it. And so now I have to listen to the song and it's all on TikTok. And I really love, even though the album came out like earlier this year or last year, I think, Chloe and Hallie's un, Ungodly Hour album is just so beautiful. So I'd be listening to that. What you listening to? Um, well, of course, I had to hop on the, the Drake train with the certified <laughs> lover boy. Yes. But specifically the song I Miss You Too with Kid Cudi. Um, definitely had that on repeat lately. That's about it. And, you know, no other than TikTok songs. <laughs> <laughs> TikTok makes me go back and listen to old shit. Like, I just be like, oh, let me go bump this real quick. Like, hold on, let me go show the children how to do this dance properly. Because y'all niggas up here doing, you're supposed to be, we talked about this earlier, but you're supposed to be doing the pop, lock, and drop it. It has instructions. Anybody tell you to make all these neck rolls? I'm old. <laughs> okay, I have things going on. I cannot be doing all that. I want instructions with my music. Like the like the Cupid <laughs> Shuffle girl. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I need to to the right to the or the or the um, little cha cha slide. Yeah, but with the one that's the cha cha slide that's I think it's called like the Louisiana or cha cha slide, where it's like a uh it's like an extra umph to it. That's what I like. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> let me get down real quick. Not this, all this extra neck popping. Y'all gonna end up in the hospital. We can't dance, okay? <laughs> but yeah, like I talked about this last episode, but I am also listening to Drake, even though he pissed me off because he was hanging with that little short man, Tory Lane. Um, and uh, way too sexy, but also fair trade. Uh, and really in my life right now, I've been losing friends and finding, in, in, uh, finding inner peace or whatever. Like that's, Yes, yes. Keep to protect your fucking peace, <laughs> like because these people will put you in jail <laughs> from firsthand experience. <laughs> um, okay, so what are you watching on TV? So I'm watching because you know, girl, the fall TV shows, the fall TV shows are coming back. So I literally have on my fucking calendar like Monday nine one one on Fox. That's my show. Tuesday the FBI shows plus nine one one Lone Star. And then also New Amsterdam comes out on Tuesdays, but I don't have cable. So I have to watch everything like the day after. So like today I can watch now with one on Fox. I, um, I don't know if you know this, but for a while I actually like stopped watching TV. And then like two weeks ago I was getting my hair done and the girl was watching Married at First Sight. Um, so now yeah so now that's that's my new thing (laughs) that show is messy as hell are you like did you like restart or are you just like watching current season no i just watch it uh, i think it's season 13 yeah yeah so i'm like hooked on that some of the old seasons are fucking crazy i don't watch anymore i was so invested in some of these couples (laughs) 
<laughs> but some of the couples, like there's one that's like where they go the other way or something. And this, or mm-hmm. this is, this is this white lady. And then there's this like, Af- this man, and I'm going to say African because generalizing, because I don't remember exactly which country in Africa he was from, but she basically said like, I am American. You're not finna tell me what to do. And I was like, baby, I felt that because let me tell you something. If I marry somebody who is from a different country overseas, we are living in the United States. Ain't nothing better than a, this is from my IR perspective. Nothing is better than a U.S. passport. There are, there's maybe like, maybe a Swiss passport a Swiss passport, but I don't want to live over there because it's cold. So like that, nothing is bad. I, we cannot be married, but I love that show. And then some people got like spinoff shows like the family Chantel actually. And they messy oh, up. Yeah. Abel, Pablo, Pueblo be cheating <laughs> on her ass. And then the sister be sitting up in there talking about something. You supposed to send me money. Like I, that's one thing that culturally, if I would marry someone from a different culture, I cannot send you money. There's so there was a Samoan family too on there where they were the mom was like, You're supposed to be sending us money. I'd be like, bitch, who? <laughs> supposed yeah, like, to it's be like Rick, oh, it's in our culture, you have to send. And that's fine if that's your culture, but baby, oh. you can't marry me because my money only your money only comes to me and my money only comes to me. So I don't even send my own relatives money. I, you know, I, when I tell Dewey, I, when I borrow money from my sister Dewey, I never give it back. For what? I took her to Paris. Like, and I took her ass to Disney World. You ain't getting $20 back. Girl, just for my Wendy's. <laughs> that $20 goes towards the next trip. Exactly. So. Pay it forward. So, okay. Um, what, so let's go ahead and move into our what's happening segment. So on a serious note, um, I know you guys have heard about this girl. Uh, I know that you guys, I know Chantel, you have heard about this girl, um, Gabby, who unfortunately they did find her remains. Rest in peace to her. This is in no way an insult to that girl because she did. And I'll speak ill of the dead. But y'all need to start worrying about the 64th. I think someone said it was like around 64,000. It could be more 64,000 missing black girls. And I yeah. watch the news because I don't, but there's sometimes people are like, why are they not covering this on the news? And those niggas only get their news from Twitter. I watch like the news. Like I've got MSNBC and shit. Okay. Even though I don't have cable. So I'm aware of like what they're actually reporting on and they're not reporting on these girls missing at all. And it's ridiculous because even the local stations are not reporting on these girls missing, but they found this girl, this white woman's body you know, God rest her soul. And they're still reporting on it. And at that point, you don't need to hurt. You know, how do I say this without sounding insulting? You know, she's already gone with the Lord. So you can, let's focus, let's let the police do their job. And let's focus on the other people, specifically the black girl. And I say black girls because I'm a black girl. So that's what I care about. The black girls that are missing or the indigenous girls that are missing. Because I think that Joy Reid yeah. said today, and it was trending on Twitter, she was like, it's, it's missing white woman syndrome. Because when, when white people, when white women, and I talked about on my last episode how white women are the devil. But, um, but specifically, when they do something, they are innocent. And, oh, my God, we need to find them. When a black girl goes missing, oh, where was she? She wasn't supposed to be there anyway. Oh, you know, who right. was she with? She should have known better. She should have stayed in the house. 
you know, like we, and I, I talked about this with Monica Lewinsky of that situation. Cause I don't consider Monica Lewinsky a victim. And I talked about this on the last episode. And I specifically said, because y'all don't let 20 y'all when we're, as soon as we grow titties, as soon as we breathe, we are no longer innocent. We are sexualized. It's part of the reason I'm hypersexual, like, because I'm a black girl and I'm this devious, like even with my current situation, um, with Marshall, I'm seen as this hyper. One of the reasons that he suddenly stopped wanting to be around me was because essentially, I can't confirm this, but essentially somebody found out what I look like and was like, baby, you're not going to be around uh, Miss Sexy Mamas. Um, not Meanwhile, I'm in a corner somewhere, you know, crying, curled up in a ball. I'm not thinking about nobody's type of sex. And you know, I like <laughs> the D, but <laughs> I'm not thinking about that at all. But I'm still viewed as this hypersexualized girl. I'm woman. I can't mm-hmm. for two seconds be innocent, you know? And it, it's really a tragedy. So I like to, I give grace to black women. The rest of y'all don't get shit from me. Nope. Yeah, I definitely, you know, I can definitely relate to that. Even um, in like professional settings um, and like, you know, it's felt like I've had experiences where, like, I'm not only the youngest person working in an office, but one of three black people, um, mm-hmm. one of two women, and, you know, one happens to be white, and then there's me. And then even, you know, mm-hmm. the way I'm, like, approached by colleagues and things like that. And it's like, this is a professional setting. Like, yeah. And you never, like, I just remember, you like to wear, like, dresses and skirts, too. So... As yes. I do, when I'm in an office, I love, I love a heel. I always wear a heel because when I was in middle school, there was this fabulous, fabulous black, she wasn't a teacher, but I think she was like an administrator. And she would always walk down the hall and be like, hey, baby. And, she, and you could just feel her, hear her heels click clacking as she came. She wore these glasses and she had a gap and she was just fabulous. And I just always thought of her because you could hear her ass mm-hmm. coming when you were in science class talking about some hey baby. She popped her head in, hey baby. And I'm just like, I want to be like that. <laughs> so that's why I always wear heels. But in my, I was actually in a workplace uh, that I used to work at and I was highly sexualized. And it was my first time really working. I worked for a nonprofit, but this was like after this in a, in a big company. And I used to get followed to the water cooler and like, oh, you can't bend over. Don't you bend over. Because first of all, if for those listening that don't know what I look like, I have a nice old ass. Praise the Lord. The jeans <laughs> finally started kicking in. And I like my dad's mom has like a big old ass. So I think that's where I get it from. Um, you know, cheeks, cheeks started happening. So, you know, it's having to be like conscious about what you wear. And it's not fair. Like, I just want to be free. Let me be me. Yeah, exactly. Especially when it's something that, like, please explain how me in a pair of dress pants and a button-up is, like, suddenly club attire or something. Mm -hmm. Like, just because it fits my body differently than someone else's, that doesn't mean I'm, like, asking for you to make comments on it. And then what are, like, some of the comments you've gotten? Because I've gotten, I've always, it's always some slick shit. It's always some 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 slick out of pocket like stuff about like or a joke, and I'm like, I don't see what's funny. Why are you laughing? Yeah. And then when you're like, what? I don't I don't get your joke. Explaining. Oh, oh no, it's fine. I don't get it. No, so. I was just I was just joking. And with that being said, I'm, sorry, I'm here to work, not joke. <laughs> Shit, I'm trying to get paid and go home. <laughs> I don't like y'all. Right. Like I keep telling people. <laughs> 
Like, I'm not trying to hang out with y'all outside of this office because I don't like y'all. Like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to fuck with y'all. So moving into, uh, into wardrobe, because it is getting cold. (laughs) Let's talk about the weather, (laughs) which is such a silly thing. But yeah, let's talk about the weather. It's getting cold. I don't fuck with cold. And as my grandma says, this is pneumonia weather. And you like when it's like cold in the mornings, but then hot. And even though I'm not outside, like the temperature in my room is changing. And I'm like, I'm finna get sick. (laughs) And then people gonna think I have COVID. And then I'm gonna think I have COVID. And I'm a paranoid (laughs) kind of bitch. So I'm gonna be in here with my ginger tea and and my cranberry juice (laughs) crying. Like, help me God, why is this like this? So, but at least we, you know, I saw this thing on Twitter. Somebody was like, oh, now we about to see who really start dressing. No, we not. We gonna be in the house. They say that every year. Like, we're going to be, I don't know who this is trying to join our thing. I don't know you, sir. Um, But yeah, so every freaking year. And it's just like, first of all, we're going to be in the house this year. Second of all, if you do see me outside, I'm going to be in my nice little long overcoat that I got me myself last year from Shein. Shout out to Shein. Even though y'all be stealing from black designers. (laughs) Shit, I fucks with that coat. (laughs) And that, that coat was on sale. It was beautiful. Um, okay, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we can get into our main meat and bones segment. Hey, guys, it's Mackenzie and Chantel, and we're back. So we're going to talk about, like I said, on this episode, the topic is how to be black. So Chantel, I want to start off by talking about like, because for me, growing up, I grew up in Arlington, Virginia, which is like a pretty diverse area. It's like, and when I say diverse, I mean like um, people from different cultures everywhere. I don't just mean like two singular races, like why I mean like everywhere. Um, Like I went to school with the kids of diplomats, as I like to remind people on a regular basis. (laughs) So I'm a cultured bitch. But um, I also want to point out, like, I don't feel, I feel like my family was part of the reason I used to go around telling people I wasn't black and by people, I mean my family. And the reason I did that was not because I didn't think I was black because anybody, Stevie Wonder's ass could see that I had brown skin, but I was consistently told like black people don't do that. <laughs> black people don't, don't watch that. And I went to school was like, yeah, I had, I actually had black friends, but like I went to school with a lot of different cultures. So I was exposed to a lot and I enjoyed a lot. And my best friend at the time was white. So yeah, I did like a lot of that quote unquote white people shit. So I didn't really experience like happiness and blackness, I think is what I, how I like to phrase that until I went to college and I met you in college, <laughs> but I really started feeling right. black. And this is so weird because it like, I hate to say feeling black, but I started realizing that blackness is not a monolith and that there was nothing wrong with me for the things that I liked. And I didn't have to necessarily go against the grain when I saw Beyonce's lemonade. And let me tell you why it was because I was going through a shit, some shit with a man as I typically am. And she had this, you know, lemonade, she does the poems and stuff. And I just was watching it. And I was like, wow, here's this black woman who's like, fucking struggling. And she's talking about shit that I struggle with. And even just identity and colorism and all that different stuff and pain. And if with my borderline personality disorder, I may not be able to relate to anybody about anything, but I can relate to somebody about pain. And then I started really exploring and enjoying how I looked and, and it wasn't, I wasn't ashamed of the things that I liked anymore because I was like, well, wait a minute. 
Black people don't come in one shade, one color, but they also don't come in one ideology and one think piece. And, you know, everybody's invited to the cookout, even though Candace Owens got to sit in the car. Like, because at the end of the day, we're all black. And I've talked about it before <laughs> in the podcast, but I watched it. I read this book called um, 400 Souls and it's anthology. It's an anthology of, of blackness and from slavery to 2019. <clears throat> so, and, and for me, it's just reiterating, like, all right, my ancestors worked damn hard for me to be able to be whoever I was today. Although they may not approve of the, the white men in my life, but, <laughs> but overall, the other shit, they would be very proud of me and the things that I've accomplished, I think. So I just want to ask you, like, about your blackness and your experience. Um, even though I, so I didn't grow up in Northern Virginia, and so diversity for me in my hometown looks a little different than it did for you in terms of you were exposed to people from different cultures. But I did also experience the whole, um, you know, like being told I wasn't black enough. And I did have like predominantly white friends. So, you know, and I would spend the summers with them hanging out at the yacht club and I'm the only black person there. Oh, did you, you say know, the yacht club? Girl, let's hang out. And then, you know, going back to school and, and hearing from, like, Black classmates that, like, oh, Chantel only hangs out with white people, she talks like a white person, things like that. So, you know, that, it's hard to really navigate your Blackness, especially, like, growing up as, like, a teenage girl, you know, that's its own struggle in and of itself. And then trying to explore your own Blackness while you're repeatedly hearing that, in one way or another, you're not Black enough. So um, I will say like similar to you, once I got to college and, you know, when you're, especially when you go to college in a different city and it's kind of like a time to reinvent yourself essentially. And so at that point yeah. I was able to, you know, like, okay, this is, this is me. These are the things I like. Um, I didn't just get rid of all my white friends, but it's also like, there are elements of my blackness that I was able to explore further having more black friends. Um, so it was definitely like a journey. I will say now I very much embrace it. I love it. It's, um, remember what I told you when I met, so when I met Chantel, we did this program together called STP <laughs> I'm not going to critique it cause it's very good for the colors, but <laughs> Um, I will say that when we were like messaging each other people and I was just like, I think I was like, I'm like Southern and sassy or something like that. And you were like, I didn't know what that meant till I met you. <laughs> right. I was like, I've never, I've heard, never of that. heard of that. But now it's like, it's like, okay, it makes, yeah, it makes a little sense. Cause it's like, I can get a little country, but <laughs> on that occasion, like my niece right. is very country and I don't, I'm not that country, but she literally sat there today and on the phone and was like, girl, I was like, Ooh, you are five. <laughs> but like, let's talk about like, well, well-spokenness. Like I, I think I read a beautiful thing a while back and it was like, please stop telling black kids that they talk white when that they, when they enunciate and, and utilize, you know, proper English grammar and things like that, because it kind of invalidate, it definitely invalidates us in our education. Like how do you want me to speak? First of all, typically you're a product of your environment. So how I'm speaking to you right now is typically how I speak. I didn't code switch until I got older because I didn't speak like that at home. I've always, excuse me, kind of spoken like this. 
And I find it really, I do code switch now and I see the value in it and I don't have a problem with it. But like, it's funny to me when Marshall and I were got into an argument and I code switched on him. So I went from talking like this to, be, to being like, see, you fucking around with the one and you don't know. <laughs> like, and he literally stopped, stopped. and was like, why are you talking to me like that? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I forgot. I'm a little too comfortable with you to be, you know, I'm code switching. But when I have children, I, my child, I don't want my child to say, mom, like, I don't know who I am, especially like, cause you know, my kid's going to be half white. So it's just like, it's like, how do you navigate that in an environment where you want to be yourself, but like a part of me at home at least because my siblings grew up in like Maryland so they're more involved in their blackness I would like to note I grew up in a very colorist household um and my family is very colorist and so like things like hair for instance I did I had to get a pixie cut because I ended up like I was always straightening my hair I was always getting perms and then I started dyeing it and then at one point I had a bald spot practically and I was like dude my sister dude was like you gotta get a pixie cut so I did and then I started like going natural and I was like, oh, I have these pretty curls, which is an issue of texturism too, by the way, because, you know, we have the issues of uh, what curls are acceptable. And I acknowledge that my curls are quote unquote acceptable. Um, but I started noticing things like that. And so for me, I really started exploring like what it is to be, what it is to be Mackenzie. I, I will say that sometimes I think of my childhood and I didn't have a happy childhood and I didn't really have moments of happiness. But because I so much rejected black people don't do this and black people don't do that, I did in some ways get to grow up a little freer, I think, than the rest of my siblings because they were kind of bound by that, you, those limitations. And I was like, well, no, if, if black people don't do this, I like this, then I'm going to go hang out with people who do this. You know, just like you said, like going to the yacht clubs and stuff and then still trying to be like, oh, well, damn, I'm going to get teased and shit if I bring it up. So let me not. Mm. I remember this white girl in high school, um, she talked about my weave. I had gotten a weave and it was like when I think I had synthetic hair. I think it was a little synthetic. I can't remember, but I thought I looked cute. And she had the nerve with her white ass to be talking about my weave. Now as an adult, I'm just like, mm, that weave was a little dusty, but <laughs> you should never step. I don't believe in white people stepping into black spaces or talking about black things on black people. I think you should mind your damn business and worry about you age looking like an avocado, mm-hmm. like things like that. Um, so like I said, I talked about when I first felt black, I know, have you always felt like ingrained in blackness for the most part? Well, no. And I would say the, the difficult part of that was, you know, like you said, being told that this isn't something that black people do or whatever. So there's that struggle that's like, okay, well, I'm repeatedly being told black people don't do these things. Black people don't talk like this. Black people don't wear these clothes, but these are things that I like. So then it's like, well, where do I fall in that? Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I can't say there was just like one moment where I was like, oh, wow. Like I finally settled into my blackness. It was definitely like a gradual process. And especially like how you mentioned code switching and things like that. Um, that was something that mm-hmm. I didn't start doing regularly until like later in life. Um, but it, it definitely has its benefits and, and that like helps me embrace my blackness. You know, I don't need to talk like I'm at a job interview all the time. Um, 
hi, how are you? I still do that when I answer the phone. Like when I go see my lawyer, I'm like, hello, how are you? Yeah, but see, even that, that's just professionalism. It's not being white, talking like a white person, thinking you're white. Like it has nothing to do with white people talk sometimes like those motherfuckers don't even speak proper English. (laughs) Right. So it's not that's that's why, you know, as I got older, I was like only people who say that who say like oh the way you talk is like you're talking like a white person like people who say things like that i like really i'm like i really i question you because that doesn't even make sense i think it's partially also because so i will say that in blackness i i still have a hard time and what i've kind of decided for myself is that i am for black women period. Like I, I'm for black people, but I am primarily for black women because I am a mentally ill black woman. And that has its own stuff. Like so many people are just not for black women, including we won't go there, but you know, some folks aren't there, some folks in the community. And I remember conversations for me, it's about inclusivity because I felt like for so long, I was not included in like black conversations with like my family and whatnot, because, Oh, you don't, talk like this or whatever and then last year with the protests and stuff I'm out there protesting and whatever and my siblings um are are like laughing around and joking oh do you see her out there but my other sister's like but y'all are always saying that she's not black but look at her out there getting shot at and shit like you know and I feel like that's really just another example of like don't let other people define your blackness it's so important but and my issue sometimes with the black community is that there's this ideology because my brother actually did say this to me once um, was that like, okay, we need to focus on black people as a whole. When I was trying to bring up uh, the, how black trans women like are just dying so much and being murdered, not just dying, being murdered because they're trans because they're being who they are. And I'm talking specifically about women in DC. And I think at the time it was like 18 black women that was like in like three months or something. And I was pointing that out and it's like, well, we can do that later. Like, let's first focus on getting black Mm -hmm. people, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you don't understand. We need to fight for the lowest. Uh, There's a quote and I don't know what it is, but it it talks about how nobody is free until we're all free. Like is if some, a black trans woman is suffering, if the black gay man is suffering, if the black woman is suffering and I, I include black trans women and with women, um, then we're all suffering. Then we can't prosper. It can't just be, okay, we're going to get cisette black men to the top. And then the rest of us will come later. It has to be all of us together standing on there, lifting shit up at once. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I definitely agree. I mean, it's not, and I, I hate to use this example, but it's, it's the only thing I can think of. But it's kind of like when people try to respond to the statement of Black Lives Matter with All Lives Matter, and then it's, well, no, all lives can't matter until Black Lives Matter. So when you're choosing to focus on one specific group, so in the, you know, and what you were just speaking about with like Black trans women, it's not that you're ignoring, you know, like all these other groups that have also been marginalized and like, you know, something needs to be done, but it's for now, Mm -hmm. we, this needs more of our attention and that's what we're focusing on. 
Yeah. And I feel like you can focus, we as human beings have the ability to focus on more than one thing at once. Like I can talk about how police brutality and how our black men are just being targeted and our black women are being targeted. And I can still at the same time talk about how the black LGBTQIA plus community does not feel included in a lot of the things because they try to protest and they try to do these things and then they're attacked. You know, and like I said, I'm, I'm for black women. So for me, I think the most hurtful thing that I've felt is um, when I've explained to people that I've been like cat called, um, like, go, like I've been followed, followed home from the 7-Eleven that's across the street from me. Um, so I don't mm-hmm. like, it, it's pretty, it's like hard for me because I'm just like, okay, I've been followed home. And then I express that. Or I express how I had to give my number to the man who was like, you know, to asking me for it. And it's always, well, why? You must have been wearing something. Or you, why? Blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't want to die, first of all. That's why I gave that man my number. And two, like, I shouldn't have to, it shouldn't matter what I wear to go across the 7-Eleven to get my bag of Funyuns. Like, why are you following me home? Yeah. And it's always the men that are like 60 years old or something. You're like, you know you could be my daddy or my granddaddy. Why are you up here harassing me but as soon as you try to bring those issues up it's like which is specifically misogynoir and I don't know if you've ever seen this but there's this podcast kind of roundtable called the grapevine and they did an episode of misogynoir which is a misogyny specifically specific to black women um and they did it on misogynoir and rap and they couldn't even get to the conversation of misogyny of how misogynistic rap music can be can't I say can be because there's so many examples of it not being misogynistic, like Queen Latifah, um, some of the older rap when it first came out, especially. Um, but they couldn't even get to it because the, they people up here talking about some. Well, nah, my friends don't do that, and if I ever hear a blah blah blah, uh, y'all friends and you are making women feel uncomfortable, and you're doing it on a daily basis, and you don't know you're doing it, and then when we tell you you do it, you get mad at us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Especially the point of they don't know they're doing it. Then you try to bring it to their attention and it's like, oh, no, 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 no. That's, that's not what it is. Yeah. And it's, and, and, um, for me, it's like, how can, and that's another tier to how hard it is to just exist in your blackness for me, for me personally, because I'm just like, okay, I want people to care about these. I want other black people, other like and the community to care about these things because I'm, we're out here dying too. Like I said, there's 64,000 missing black girls. Why are we not being cared about like everything else? How am I supposed to be black and be excited and stuff when I'm so terrified, obviously because blackness perseveres through all. Um, and I even had quoted this poem called uh, where's your fire or catch the fire or something like that a couple episodes ago last season. But I, and so a blackness is enduring, but, also, I want to talk about black uh, moving forward a little bit, mental illness in the black community. So that is another way that I felt alienated. And I want you to talk first because I'm talking a lot. <laughs> so okay. just, yeah. Um, so I mean, I guess I mean? what I'm saying is, so I've definitely felt alienated mostly because a lot of people think of my disorder as a choice. But I think that I've tried really hard to explain, especially to black people that I know my black family members what it is like actually to I'll give another example and this is another Marshall example but I explained to him you know he quit his job and went on a road trip when he was depressed I was like my black ass could never could never 
Absolutely. Not mm-hmm. only is it a financial issue because of, you know, inequalities and whatnot, right. but, and then I had told him about like my loan debt. He, I was like, well, not everybody's parents can, you're, you're an only child and you're white. Not everybody's parents can pay for a UVA education out of pocket. But specifically for me, I was like, I'm a mentally ill black person with mm-hmm. a severe mental illness. It's not just anxiety. It's like, I, I, I'm suicidal and not even, but like bad things, very bad things. I'm in, not in control of myself a lot. Um, and trying to explain that, like, I think I mentioned to you earlier, like I can't really experience happiness really. So trying to explain that to other people when the, and I, I know it, what it is. Mm -hmm. I know it comes from slavery. I know it's the, the, the physical need of survival to just suck it up and get through because they had to deal with so much fucking trauma, so much trauma. And again, I reiterate, please read if you get a chance. 400 souls is an anthology it's beautiful um and scary and sad and all those things which blackness is but for me also suffering from mental illness I'm like okay what am I supposed to do with 300 years of trauma and I also have a disorder that has probably that really has nothing to do with that per se it's just a you know I don't know where it comes from but I know it's a genetic disorder and how do how do those meet things meet in intersectionality? And I just did a, a paper for it's like a mock PR plan from NAMI. And uh, if you guys don't know, uh, NAMI is the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and they do have a section on their website, and they do uh, partner with like some black organizations. But what I proposed in this fake PR paper that I did for a class was how they can work with black organizations and black community leaders because you have to go through the ter- church. At some point, you just have to. You cannot reject religion when you're trying to get mental health help for Black people because Black people love God. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So I'm sorry. Can please give me your thoughts on mental health and being Black? Well, and I like that you brought up um, the fact of having to go through the church because so often uh, I feel like um, it's common for Black people whenever they are experiencing mental health struggles to just be told, oh, you know, pray about it or, Give it to God. you know, like, and it's like, okay, I understand. I'm not trying to overlook the, you know, Do you want a revolution? God has <laughs> in my there. life, but for now, you know, the, that doesn't invalidate my mental health struggles. And, you know, yeah. I will say I, I have experience with like having been to therapy and then, you know, trying to talk about it to people, um, you know, like close friends or family. And then it's like, oh, no, you know, you don't you don't need that. Just give it to God and, you know, everything will work itself out and things yeah. like that. Hallelujah. Right. And it's, I always get told it's the demons, which I'm very superstitious. So I do believe in demons. I do believe in all that shit. And I do believe at one point I was being haunted. But this is a different type of demon, baby. It's an internal demon. <laughs> And it can't get the yeah, Lord is just, not looking at me. It's very like, <laughs> dismissive of, yeah. you know, it's like mental health is a real thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, no one just wakes up one day and like, oh, I think I want to be depressed today. Like, no. And sometimes you need professional yeah. help for that. And the same way, you know, people are like, oh, just pray about it. God gave those people the education to be able to help me work through whatever I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about, I'm sorry to cut you off. So I know there's a therapist shortage and I know you shared that you have been to therapy. I've been in therapy since I was 12 years old and I'm still in therapy and I will continue to be in therapy with my crazy ass. But so my therapist is white. Um, that was very intentional from when I was younger. 
because I, I was scared. I was scared that a black therapist would see me as just black first. Now, as an adult, after I've worked through a lot of those mm-hmm. issues, I'm definitely, if I have to change therapists again, which I'm trying really hard not to, because I love my new therapist, then I would definitely be open to a black woman. But I would like to ask, have you had a black therapist before? What's your experience? And if not, what was your experiences with a non-black therapist? I have not had a black therapist. Um, so the only experience I have is with, um, not only were they white, well, they were both women, but they were also white. Um, mm-hmm. And I will say that I don't, I don't think that that was negative in any way. I don't, I don't think I didn't benefit from the sessions um, just because of the racial difference between myself and the therapist. Um, I will say there, you know, there are certain. And I guess it depends on the life experience and, you know, whatever it is that brought someone to therapy in the first place that maybe they would be, they would be more receptive to the therapy if, you know, they did have someone um, of the same racial demographic as them. But for me that. Oh, I like it when you. (laughs) But for me, it, it definitely didn't, you know, I still benefited. I still learned from it and, you know, it's still go back to them should I decide that's what I need again I think that and I agree with that point I think it, it can be I don't think it's as thin of a line as people think I like a lot of the time these people have training and that is not to excuse the medical bias that exists that is very real in black health care especially for a pregnant black woman please make sure that your gynecologist and your team of nurses and all of that that they know and they don't have racial prejudice you have to ask the hard questions but um for me, like I said, I've had the, I, my, I've had the, the most helpful therapists for me have all been like these white women who are just like jolly. <laughs> and my current therapist cusses and I love it because I need you to cuss. My life is a cussing fest and we need to be able to curse. But I also, it, the past year and a half, it has been even worse. I've had another resurgence of like feeling my blackness. And I think that was because of the protests last year and and seeing that stuff more and black trauma can really fuck you up really badly. Um, And so for me with not even just in my personal relationships with my partners, but with my therapist, like it's important that they acknowledge racial bias and things like that. And my therapist has, and that is the, one of the only reasons that I'm like with her other than that she's amazing. But for me, I can't, even in relationships, like with my past relationship, Marshall, I, we had a conversation about racial bias and things. And, you know, I was out there protesting when I met him. So uh, not he wasn't out there, but I was out there and we talked about it because I can't date you if you don't believe Black Lives Matter. And I can't fuck with you. I just can't. Like something in my soul, I think, really changed last year or or elevated. And I just felt like this deep spiritual connection to Blackness. And now, I'm, I mean, like I'd be telling people my ancestors are going to fuck you up. So mind your business. But but I think that um, that's definitely something that I am I'm I embrace now. But but when I decided that I'm going to embrace my blackness, it for me, it was like, OK, I'm going to but you're going to also embrace me like I'm going to bring a- along my mental health shit. I'm going to bring along my queerness. I'm going to bring along my support of trans rights and things like that. I'm going to bring all that along because that is who I am. I'm going to bring along the fact that we need to treat black women better. You know, it's never going to be, I'm just here to wave my finger up in the air and vote for what you want to, you know, whatever. 
I'm going to have a voice and I'm going to be vocal. And I think that that has been the the shining point I could say of, or my happiest moment of blackness is just being like, I can speak for black people and acknowledging that I have the privileges that I do because I'm all about acknowledging privileges. Um, As a cis black woman, like I may be mentally ill and have a ill, ill that Carolina came out mentally ill and have um, a severe mental disability. However, I am also educated as hell, which black women are the most educated women in this country, by the way. Fun fact. Um, But I I also grew up in an area that a lot of people didn't. So I try really, really hard to check myself because I know I used to say a lot of -of out-of-pocket shit to y'all, too. So... Like I, like some of my past and now don't, people don't, I've deleted them. So don't be trying to go look for them. But my past Facebook posts, like sometimes, you know how the Facebook memories come up. So I had like Mm -hmm. posted this thing about like blackness and like how people need to stop basically respectability politics. And I was like maybe 14 or something. And I was looking at that like, baby gross, because you know, a lot of people actually were like, we didn't think you thought you were black or thought you liked to be black. And I was like, that's why I don't like Candace Owens. But sometimes mm-hmm. I think like her and Stacey Dash, I think to myself, it's real easy when you're told that you're not black because of how you speak to go a certain way. It's real easy to just completely reject everything about being black and mm-hmm. being like, okay, well, fuck you, neglitz. I'm going to go with the quite mans because they're pretending to, and I always say pretending because they never really fully accept you when they have those kind of ideologies that your black life doesn't matter, but they're pretending to accept you and you feel accepted. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people go to stuff like that is because you want to feel accepted. It's the same ideology as like cult members and stuff. People don't just join a cult because they're stupid. They join because that's where they feel accepted. And I think we all want to feel accepted mm-hmm. in our blackness. And I don't know if you've been in interracial relationships, but um, how do you, so have you been in interracial relationships? I have not. Okay. I asked because I wanted to just bring up how to, how to, how I express my blackness in those relationships, but I didn't want to, I wanted you to talk too, cause you're my guest host and I don't want to just blabber. On. Well, that's <laughs> because I was, I, that's actually something I wanted to ask you yes, when you talk about me. your, you know, the, essentially the evolution of your blackness. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, so since I've known you, your, your black identity, I guess has evolved over time, but mm-hmm. your dating preferences have been the same. So I wanted yeah. to know, I'm glad you know, how, what, what was the influence of your, you know, your, your changing view of your blackness and how has that affected your dating life and your relationship? Well, I have to start again. I'm really glad you asked me that. Um, so I always just tell people like, I don't, I'm not into black women. I just date white guys. That's not true. Um, so I was molested when I was younger and it was by two black people and I won't say who on here, but you know, we talked privately Um, but that has traumatized me. Um, I still can't fully deal with it. I still can't fully talk about it directly. It it will cause me to have episodes, but that I didn't want to admit it because I partially did not remember until I was in college, but that is why. So I just want to start there with the root of your question. That is why I, I am very sexual. Mm -hmm. And I'll talk about this on my episode where I do like sexuality and sex. 
but I'm very sexual and it's because I was molested. And so I was traumatized at such a young age. And obviously this is not all black men. I just want to make that clear. I in no way think that's the truth, but to be in a relationship, at least for me, you have to be sexual and I can't be intimate with a black person. Um, I have tried and I have really bad, I, I, I can't work through that right now. And it is my philosophy that you do not use other people to work out your problems on. So some mm-hmm. people have been like, well, have you tried? Why don't you just, you know, try open yourself up? Well, I, if I could open myself up, I can find someone I like, and then I can't be intimate with them. And then I, ha- and then I'm mad and I'm, I'm angry and I'm, I don't want to use, I, I suffer a lot already. So I want to acknowledge why it is like that because I think it's important. And, but I also want to acknowledge that I cannot change that overnight, nor is that something that's realistically Chantel, it's not going to change in the next 30 years. Um, so for me, mm-hmm. I do date, uh, people of color. I just don't date black men. And it's because of that. Now, do I feel like I've okay. missed out? I, I, I put it this way. I think God wouldn't make my soulmate a black person because of what happened. I know that some people say, well, this person could come in your life and heal you. And that be, but that's, I, I want to heal my damn self. First of all, I don't want to use, cause I'm this, I've been the springboard mm-hmm. for so many people. I don't, it is not fair to a person, especially a person who's mostly whole to then have to work out my fucking issues, even if they love me. I don't like that. I don't like that ideology. I don't like that thinking. I don't think you have to be whole to be with someone, but I also don't need to, I I feel like I would punish a black man for being with me. And I don't want to do that if I'm just being 100% honest with you. So I feel like, so that's why, you know, I, I just, just so everyone knows background of why. Um, I am attracted to some black men, just to be clear, Lance gross, (laughs) but like, I like a dark chocolate man, but like when I think about intimacy, I can't, and I know why now, but I didn't know why then, which is good. And so when we talk about like specifically white men, it's been very difficult once I sort of realized that it's important for me that they acknowledge my blackness, like my ex ex, he who shall not be named, um, He um, acknowledges that he is a white man through and through with great privilege. He said that to me when we were dating years ago, like, I know I'm white, whatever. And this was back when I let white people use the N word. So I was on some other shit, (laughs) but like, so I basically was like, okay, (laughs) because I felt like, okay, I don't want somebody saying, calling me a nigger or anything like that, but I want it to be sort of like, okay, I I want it to be chill as long as they acknowledge like I'm black. Now in that relationship and after that relationship, I was tossed aside for a white woman on multiple occasions. And then ultimately he ended up dating a white woman and I don't give a fuck what anybody says. I'm not jealous. I'm beautiful. But there, it was very clear that it was because she was white. Um, and if y'all saw what she looked like, (laughs) it wasn't very clear. Um, but it's in my past previous relationship and with the situation I deal with now, it's very stressful for me to have to think that. 
And I don't want anyone to think, oh, you're just saying that because, you know, they broke up or whatever with you and you feel like, oh, you hate white people. It has nothing to do with that. I can't go into the specific details because of legal reasons and because of what I'm trying to keep a secret and not keep a secret. But there, the person, when I, I was very adamant with Marshall about my blackness because I told you it was after the protests and stuff like that. And also about me being a mentally ill black woman. And I was very specific about the procedures and what not to do. Mm -hmm. Like you can't call the police on a mentally ill black person. If they're having an episode, I've never been dangerous in my life. I'm never going to hurt you. If I'm having an episode, don't call the police on me because they'll try to kill me. You know, if we get into a situation like we ended up getting into, try to calm me down, try to work it out. I promise you're able to, but if you call the Mm -hmm. police on me, they will hurt me. And they did. They ended up hurting me pretty badly. Actually, I still don't have finger in my feeling in my left finger (laughs) on my left hand Um, a little bit. I had most of it, but like, there's still like a numb spot. I was pretty bruised up and stuff, but things like that. And that's always the risk that I run dating a non-black person, Mm -hmm. because I think fully a black person would understand that. And I talked about this on my last episode, but I'm going to repeat it because I feel like it's very profound allyship is not how you treat is not just how you treat the black people you know it's not just about what you post on twitter it's about how you treat black people when they no longer conform to what your idea of perfection is when we make a mistake when we're not our best selves when because i Mackenzie norris am not always my best self I am far from perfect and I, I make mistakes, but more importantly, I'm mentally ill. So I do a lot of shit that's not conventional sometimes when I have an episode. So like, I'm trying not to cry because it's really hurtful to me in my last relationship that I expressed, I was finally like free, I think in my blackness and who I was. And for a person to like, take that away from me. Like, I didn't know who I was. I I was like, I hated everything. I hated being black. I hated everything. And I truly believe that if I was white, because we have had this discussion, like things would be different. And the choice and partner now is also because that person is white and not mentally ill. So uh, yeah, I hope that answers your question. And if I didn't, let me know and I can elaborate. Mm No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I I understand. Um, and, you know, the main reason for me asking that was so like I've never been in like a relationship um, with someone that wasn't black. And, you know, now I'm in a relationship oh, with a black man. man. And so, <laughs> so um, I feel like the whole conversation of like, you know, like having I don't know, it kind of seems like they're almost like disclaimers you have to give like hey yes you know this is I need you to be mindful of these things whereas me and my relationship I I don't have to to those are things that he just understands because of his black experience and Mm -hmm. just you know so so it's interesting um I I like that you said disclaimer that's exactly what I have to do I have to give a disclaimer like I gave Marshall a disclaimer a full disclaimer of what to do what not to do etc I give my white friends, I have to give my black family members though, too, especially dealing with like mental illness. Like you can't call police on black people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and 
you know, a part of me longs for that understanding, but I'll never get that level of understanding because I'm never going to be with a black person. So I have to accept that. And the way that I also kind of think of it is, Mm -hmm. you know, in any relationship, you're going to have some sort of disclaimer. Mine is the blackness, which is pretty big disclaimer, (laughs) but you know, I try to relate it in that sense. Not that anything, I mean, there's nothing worse than having to be like, see me not as Mackenzie, not as a woman, but as a black mentally ill woman, see me as that. Because when you don't see Mm -hmm. me as that, people get arrested. When you don't see, when you don't see your neighbor as mentally ill, when you don't see your, your neighbor as black, your new neighbor, you see a, you see a nigger walking and breaking at somebody's house and that's not what they're doing. When you don't see your baby mama as a black woman, then you treat her like shit. When you don't, you know, it's just a cycle and it, I hate it, Chantal. I really, it like eats me up now, especially with what I'm going through because sometimes I'm just like, well, maybe I could, for, you know, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. when because I don't tell everybody I was molested because I don't feel the need to share that with everyone um but it's really hard for me when people keep who know keep telling me well mm-hmm. you or make jokes like oh you, well, you just need to try some chocolate you you're not even trying but Mackenzie you're not even trying and like try no black man like and I'm just like y'all know what I went through and I can't keep explaining to you why mm-hmm. because you don't know how hard it is how hard that is for me and I don't want everything to be hard. I'm hypersexual. I used to have sex all the time for just to feel something, to feel better, to make, you know, and I got coerced into sex a lot. And then I was actually like raped on multiple occasions. And so I, I had to really work through that shit so that it's now only when I want it. I'm also a fetish. I didn't mention that like in my blackness, I'm a fetish to these mm-hmm. men and I have to look out for that because anytime somebody messages you talking about some, I ain't never had chocolate before, or have you ever been with such and such bitch, get off my page. Like mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be out here being your little chocolate teardrop. And like, even <laughs> if I'm having sex, you're not finna whip me. We can't say Matt. We are not playing master slave. Like that's there, you know, I draw a line. I have a whip, but no, you can't use it. Like I just, there is a line, you know, there is a line. I'm not, you're not going to sit there mm-hmm. and look at me. Like I need to pick, you ain't going to tell me I need to go pick cotton. Like <laughs> you, you can't do that. That's not okay. <laughs> Enslave me. You know, some people are into that. And so like, oh. I can't sit there and be like, enslave me. Because I'm looking at a cracker. Like, I just, I think I told, I like one time I joked with Marshall and I was like, you want to play a little slave role play? And I was not serious at all. I was not, I just wanted to see what the fuck he would say. And he was like, no, absolutely not. I was like, good answer. Good answer. Anyway, um, well, I, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts on blackness and stuff with me. And there's no way we could get everything into one episode. But I, 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 I want to get some closing thoughts from you on blackness and before we move into our mindfulness message. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> hold on. You okay, I, I said before <laughs> we get into our mindfulness message, we're not there. So my closing thoughts on blackness are kind of like, okay, look, I am Mackenzie, but I am not just Mackenzie. I am a black woman and I have 
this beautiful black skin and this beautiful black body that grows and shows and, and, and can, can do so many amazing things and has endured because of my ancestors who love the fuck out of me and, and will have a child that will love the fuck out of me and be black as fuck. And maybe my husband won't. OK, maybe the child will be half, you know, but maybe my husband won't be black as fuck. Oh, you are. But the child will be, you know, because blackness is the dominant gene. Um, so for me, blackness, I just want everybody to remember anyone who's listening to this, anybody who's struggling with their blackness, blackness is what you make of it. You are black through your, your genes and nobody can fucking take that shit away from you. And if anybody tries to make you feel inferior because you're black or try to tell you because your ass like lacrosse or something like that, you like whatever white people shit that that's not really white people shit. As long as you know how to season your food, if you can't season your food, you cannot be black. <laughs> I'm just saying that's a little awkward. We might not, you may not be allowed to cook is all I'm saying. Um, and like I said, if you can't, it's Owens, you got to wait in the car at the cookout. Your ass cannot come inside, but be who you are because our ancestors worked damn hard for you to open your black ass eyes every day. And they endured all sorts of shit for you to wake the fuck up and play hockey if you want to, drive motherfucking NASCAR and just be black as fuck in every aspect of it. That's what I got to say. Go ahead. (laughs) Well, I love that you said blackness is what you make it because that's such a good way to put it, you know, to to kind of make it full circle, everything that we talked about and like figuring out our own blackness, because it really is what you make it. No one can tell you how to be black. No one can tell you you're not black enough or you're too black. And because the same way, you know, when I was in middle school, especially, and I would get picked on by like the, the black people that made fun of me for only hanging out with white people. Yeah. If you, you know, I, the, the people that grew up differently than I did, you know, if you're from the hood and your life is different than mine, I would never say you're too black. So, you know, to say that my blackness isn't enough is that's invalid. So I really, I really agree with what you said that blackness is what you make it and whatever you make it to be, it's, it's beautiful. It's something to be celebrated and something to really explore um, to figure out what it means for you. But even, even no matter what, it's still, it's just, I don't know. It's just great. Like that's, that's the easiest way to put it. I've learned that it's really something great, something to be proud of. That's so beautiful. <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn. I, that was more eloquent than what the fuck I said. <laughs> All righty. Thank you. We're no. going to go ahead and end on our mindfulness message. Hi, guys. It's Mackenzie, and I'm back here with Chantel, and we're about to end the show on our mindfulness message, as we always do. Now, as I said earlier in the show, I really fell into my blackness when Beyonce came out with Lemonade. So I want to read one of the poems from, or the short kind of snippet she had from uh, Lemonade. And this is the one when she's, I think she's talking about like, she's not talking about apathy, but she's kind of talking about just generations. And this is the thing that really made me be like, damn, I can feel the blackness. And I, so here it is. It's, you find the black tube inside her beauty case where she keeps your father's old prison letters. You desperately want to look like her. You look nothing like your mother. You look everything like your mother ain't that the truth film star beauty how to wear your mother's lipstick you go to the bathroom to apply your mother's lipstick somewhere no one can find you you must wear it like she wears disappointment on her face your mother is a woman and a, and women like her cannot be contained mother dearest 
Let me inherit the earth. Teach me how to beg, to how to make him beg. Let me make up for the years he made you wait. Did he bend your reflection? Did he make you forget your own name? Did he convince you he was a God? Did you get on your knees daily? Do his eyes close like doors? Are you a slave to the back of his head? Am I talking about your husband or your father? And baby, when I heard that, I slapped my damn self because to this day, with every relationship I have had, that is exactly how it is. And I pray that my child does not think of this in this way, think of me in this way, like thinking of me, like looking at the back of a man's head, because it, for me, it really spoke to me about love. And for me, love is what causes me so much of my pain. And I can just see it through like generations and generations of people. And that for me was like, wow, that you can see, you share this blackness with your sisters, with your mothers, with your grandmothers. And it's all in that. And they're all experiencing that. And that, that's what did it for me. Chantel? Um, my mindfulness message. Uh, short and to the point, but this is just a quote from the late actor Ossie Davis, and it says, I find in being Black a thing of beauty, a joy, a strength, a secret cup of gladness. And I think that really goes back to the last point that we made, that no matter what it means to each individual person to be Black, it's it's beautiful, and it's really something worth that? celebrating. That was so beautiful, and I just want to hear it again. <laughs> It says, I find in being Black a thing of beauty, a joy, a strength, a secret cup of gladness. Oh, yeah. That's such a relief. Yeah. That was really good to like. Be- because no matter what, you know, no matter all the adversity that comes with it and, and the, you know, having to explain things and dealing with people, I would not trade it for the world. Mm-hmm. I like I I truly love it. I love being black because I figured out what it meant to me. I'm about to cry, girl. I'm serious because I just you know I mean we talked about it and I know we're ending the show, but it's just like I it's it was so hard for me to be black when I was younger, and it was so hard. It's so mm-hmm. hard for me to be black sometimes now with my illness. Mm-hmm. But damn, I would never. I, I especially reading that, but I would never want to be anything else. The way our skin shines and our like mm-hmm. our body just I told my therapist, I was like, let me tell you something about the resilience in my body. It comes not from me, but it comes from my ancestors. And I will not, I don't give a damn how many times mm-hmm. I tell you I'm gonna kill myself. I'm not gonna do it if a single ounce of them mm-hmm. is in me. Even though there is no shame, and you know, I always think of people who chose the sea, there was no shame in that. But endurance strength is in many ways. So Thank you, Chantel, for joining me. This has been such a beautiful right. episode. Thank you for having me. Hopefully, I yeah, absolutely I would love soon. for you to join us again. Uh, my yes, friend. this was great. This was great. Alrighty, thank you so much. And as always, guys, thank you for listening to I Have No Idea What I'm Doing.